Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, the Lakers are back at 500 after a productive two-win weekend. It wasn't perfect, but it got the job done. The Lakers are leaning into their LeBron at center at, uh, lineups. And Rajon Rondo is on his way to Cleveland. We'll discuss all of it on this episode of Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We get this thing up bright and early, so everybody, no matter where you are, what time you access your podcasts, you have fresh Lakers talk uh, ready for you at all times. So uh, Rajon Rondo is on his way to Cleveland. The Lakers have a big decision to make about Avery Bradley, so some roster stuff uh, that we'll definitely get to over the course of the show, Andy. But first, let's start with uh, the weekend. The Lakers knock off Minnesota 108-103 to on Sunday, this after blowing out Portland. On Friday, that brings them back to 500, 19 and 19. Um, they are now tied essentially for sixth, seventh, and eighth in the Western Conference. Um, it's a cluster bleep down there, but overall, a productive weekend. We've said it, Andy Beggars can't be choosers. They played two games, they won two games on to the next. Well, I mean, first of all, let, let's spin this both ways. Uh, Mr. Glass half full. They are a half a game behind Denver for the five seed. Mr. Oh, you know, they're clustered up six, seven, and eight. They're half a game out of five. So let's make sure we are representing correctly what is going on with this team or a full game. But either way, they are. They, no, close. they've rocketed well past Sacramento, a full three games over the 10 spot. Right, exactly. So like, things like, are looking much better. No, they are, they are looking better than they did. When we even when we recorded Friday's show, Andy. But but uh, all all kidding aside, we talked about heading into this stretch that they have right now, which was four games against sub five hundred teams. I believe the Kings and the Hawks are, are are the next two coming up. These are games that they absolutely have to win. Like I, I believe I said, three and one should be the baseline of this four team. Now. now it's right. Four well, but I mean for real, four and yeah. zero. No, I agree. Like, I mean. I'm not being facetious about this at all. Like th this is a real opportunity that they have in front of them. And so far they are cashing in. Like th there have been imperfections. Like we will get into. Oh yeah. Against the Timberwolves. Sunday particularly like, was filled with them. Yeah. I mean, uh, Friday went about as well as you could possibly ask, but Sunday, you know, a lot of issues that are inherent to the way they are playing right now, particularly without Anthony Davis uh, reared their ugly head. But you know, the bottom line is, they won the game. I think they gave themselves a certain degree of confidence and resolve from winning it despite the issues that they went through, especially on the glass. And again, this is a really, really important stretch for mm -hmm. them right now. They're off to a great start with it. You got, you got to win games. Uh, the Sacramento game particularly put a little more distance between you and those those teams that are chasing you. Minnesota, who was one of them uh, for Sunday's game, which is the reason why it was so important. Um, also, too, quick thing. I don't know if this is a good omen or a bad omen ahead of the Hawks game uh, later this week. I did see a seagull get hit by a car today in front of me. So a bird being hit like by a car. Is that a good omen or a bad omen when you're playing a bird team later in the week? 
I've never seen that before. I've never seen a bird get hit by a car like that. I don't know, man. I mean, I am both an animal lover and somebody that is petrified of getting on the wrong side of PETA. So I'm not even going to play this game. Brian. And seagulls. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want those things mad at me either. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it feels like a bit of a reach on your part. Um, you know, a hawk is a hawk, a seagull is a seagull. But either way, I'm not going there. Even if I thought it was a good omen, I would never say it because, again, fair enough. They, they, they get on you. All right. So uh, the, much of the, there are two basically, I think, uh, the the issues with Sunday can be categorized in two things. Russell Westbrook, again, we're talking about Russ, and turnovers specifically with Russ. And then the Lakers got just annihilated on the offensive glass because they were playing small. Let's save Russ, and let's talk about the Lakers going small thing first. Dude, when you say they got destroyed, they got doubled up. On the boards, fifty-six to twenty-eight. I, I, I'm sure I have seen that at some point in the time we've spent covering sports, in particular covering the NBA and the Lakers. But I promise it doesn't happen often. Um, the Lakers had to put this in perspective: twenty-eight total rebounds. The Wolves had twenty offensive rebounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, they absolutely just destroyed the Lakers. It is no coincidence that with this discrepancy. Uh, Minnesota had 58 points in the paint. Uh, they had 20 second chance points. Oh, as, although, as LeBron pointed out after the game, and I got to say, I had not thought about it this way. And as much as it could seem like you're trying to, you know, uh, polish a, a proverbial turd, so to speak, he's got a point. 20 second chance points on 20 offensive rebounds. It's not good. No. no, no. It's actually, it could be a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not good for Minnesota. Oh, it's, okay. it's a bad number for Minnesota. Yes. All yes. of it. Andy, Minnesota, the Lakers turned the ball over a lot. Now, they, they it's particularly early. Um, yes. And Russ, particularly, and we'll get back to that. But a lot of these early turnovers, you combine the offensive rebounds with the turnovers that did even out towards the end of the game. The fourth quarter, Lakers started to force a ton of uh, turnovers. Anthony Edwards, in particular, was particularly loose with the ball uh, on the Minnesota side. I'm sure they're talking about that on Locked on Wolves. Um, the, you know, the Lakers won this game by five. Minnesota had 17, 18 more field goals, 17 more field goals. Like that is field goal attempts. I should say that is a, a, a massive discrepancy to be able to still win the game. So, I mean, yes, from LeBron's perspective, um, the Lakers did mitigate the damage. I think there was one possession where Minnesota had something like seven chances seven bites at the apple and did not mm -hmm. score so i mean yeah they were not efficient <laughs> ironically it was like the one time they couldn't cash in on an offensive rebound <laughs> like why like, it was insane totally alone at the basket but the, the biggest the biggest principle and and nas reed was sort of at, at you know pun intended at the center of a lot of of the lakers challenges as they were trying to figure out the offensive rebounding issues um some of the pick and roll questions, how to defend a center when, you know, they were, you know, a team is playing a real one. We saw even, even going back to the Memphis game, Andy, some of the cat and mouse game that'll be played when, you know, when um, Steven Adams was on the floor, how some of the cross matching would go on. The Lakers were trying really hard to avoid putting LeBron on a center um, because of the, it's particularly that center because of the amount of, of physical toil that that takes and 
it's a through line that's going to run through every team that is going to play a center. And Minnesota didn't have Carl Anthony Towns on Sunday, which obviously made a huge difference in this game. They didn't have D'Angelo Russell either. Um, both guys in the COVID protocols. And, and for what it is worth really quick, had Carl Anthony Towns been available, I strongly suspect Dwight Howard starts this game. Dwight probably he, would have started, but the Lakers still would have been, I think, trying to find ways to go small. And my my larger point here is... As opposed to not playing at all, though. That's and all not I'm playing saying. at all. Right. My larger point, though, here is that the Lakers and other teams are going to be figuring this out as they go. Some of this, it's a, it's a short-term problem of major significance because the Lakers have to win games in the whatever three weeks that are left before Anthony Davis comes back. They can't afford to just lose. Um, in But in the grand scheme of things, in the long term, assuming there's a playoff run to run to, Anthony Davis is going to be back and will be playing against Carl Anthony Towns and whatever center they got. The Lakers will not always be able to defend a center with LeBron because they don't want to, given what he has to do on the other end. And they will also not always be able to play that guy off the floor by going really fast, by spreading it out or whatever it might be. There are going to be a lot of nights like this in between where the Lakers are at a disadvantage and have to make the best of it, which I think gets to why, Andy, I know you asked Frank Vogel about this, why they stuck with it. Um, and didn't try to run Dwight Howard out there to guard Nas Reed and all this other stuff. I think it's a major reason why they chose to do it the way that they did. Yeah, I asked Frank Vogel about this, just like the idea of what I suspected, and I tweeted this out at Cam Brothers because I saw just a ton of people up in our mentions asking, you know, why is Frank Vogel this idiot not putting Dwight Howard out there because they're getting crushed on the boards? And my suspicion, and Frank confirmed this after the game, was, look, if we're going to be a small team, we have to learn how to rebound as a small team. Even if we're going to get out-rebounded, we have to learn how to get out-rebounded in ways that are more manageable. Like we have to learn how to be a smaller offense, a, a smaller rebounding team. Like that's a thing. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to learn that if we use Dwight or I guess DeAndre Jordan as size that bails us out. Like this is something that if we're going to do. We have to commit to it. This is actually a good team to try to learn how to do it against because, A, they're really good on the offensive glass anyway. Like, Minnesota's very, very good. They're one of the best teams in the league at it. And the Lakers should be able to beat the Wolves even with this issue. And they did beat the Wolves with this issue. But, and I say this as somebody who has been, you know, begging the Lakers all season, like a lot of people, to really lean into and commit to going to smaller because I think on balance, that is the best version of this team. Mm -hmm. You can't have this both ways. Like you can't want them to lean into being small, but then go big at any time there's trouble. They're, they're not going to learn how to do this. Like again, a guy like Carl Anthony Towns or Jokic or like a premier big that you just can't have LeBron or Stanley Johnson or someone like that start out guarding. Fine. If you can't survive against no disrespect, Nas Reed going small, then you can't play small. Like you just can't. Yeah. And there's, I think Vogel was right about this. I think he's 100% right. I completely agree with him. And he also pointed out, and this is a, a non trivial uh, thing to consider, they got their asses kicked in the other two games they played against Minnesota on the offensive glass. And those were games that the Bigs did play. So, you know, what are we clinging to? It's, uh, you know, the proverbial, it's 3 a.m. I'm at a cockfight from, uh, you know, Elaine from Seinfeld. Um, 
there, there are a couple other things I want to touch on here with the small lineup and what they're doing, and obviously get into Russ and the Rondo thing. Uh, so, you know, this is the direction that they're going, and there are tons of wrinkles in it. Um, and so we'll get to all that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. It is officially 2022, which means New Year's resolutions. And if yours happens to evolve, getting fit or eating healthier, make sure Built Bar is part of that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I think even better than a candy bar, but it allows you to eat healthier without it feeling boring. Built Bars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That most Built Bars contain only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. That is awesome. And it, let's say you're not a huge fan of working out because let's be honest, nobody really likes working out except like the muscle heads and their weirdos um, and fitness freaks. Yeah. The, the bras with, you know, they, they drive big trucks and you know, they're compensating, but it's like you, you don't like working out, but you want to at least feel like you're taking care of your body. Again, built bar. Awesome choice. You got great flavors like coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, and down the line. So many great flavors. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at built.com. You know, so, you know, I mentioned that, you know, the Lakers are going to be trying to figure out ways to not hide LeBron, but to keep LeBron from having to guard. Nas Reed, which he did in the fourth quarter. Teams have been hiding LeBron his whole career. (laughs) (laughs) Just slip by. If you don't notice, the guy is there. Um, You know, from trying to win in spite of his presence. (laughs) Try, you know, you you want to, you know, avoid having him have to guard centers as much as you can. So it's Stanley Johnson against the Grizzlies. It was Carmelo Anthony. It was all kinds of weird stuff that you see, um, you know, from game to game, and. It's it reminded me some of 2019, 2020 is like, you know, yeah, we know Anthony Davis is going to close games at the five and he's going to guard the opposing team center. But you it is his preference that they want to try to avoid, get keep stretch that out and avoid as much of that as possible until the crunch time minutes. And they got enough production from JaVale McGee and from Dwight Howard that they could do it. And I think that's there's going to be a version of that for the next three weeks or so where the Lakers spend a game trying to figure out how to how to mitigate it. How how can we keep LeBron from having to do this for four quarters? Because we can't ask him to do everything on the offensive side and push on gigantic, you know, people who are even bigger than him. Um, and look, Stanley Johnson gave it a run and other people gave it a run and it wasn't working particularly early. LeBron got on Reed in the fourth and basically ended the threat. But the game turns out, I think, differently if you put LeBron on him in the first quarter. Well, also, also, I think it's worth noting, too, that as much as Nas Reed was destroying them in the middle, but some of this was on second chance points or, you know, and pick and roll offensive coverage rebound. Like I was going to say, some of this was pick and roll coverage that, you know, obviously size can play a role in that. But some of this is just the Lakers having difficulties. You tried to avoid saying roll. size matters, didn't you? <laughs> well, because your face, your face went all, frankly, dirty. Well, I, I mean, they're all <laughs> you know, kinds of, we, again, I would like to remind the, the crew, we were told not to go blue. Well, mostly, Brian, what I was trying to do, it was avoid getting off track the way you ended up going anyway, because again. <laughs> because I am 11 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I mean, I, it's, I, mean I, I, the, the, the Nas Reed thing also, too, it wasn't just 
you know, a guy who got a bunch of offers. I mean, he was 10 of 17 from the floor. I mean, he was sure. very efficient in all yes. kinds of ways. Um, he's not a terrible, that's where he doesn't suck. He's not no. a bad player. If he wasn't backing up Carl Anthony Towns, he might have a more prominent role on a different team. He might, but but again, I, I still stand by my original point. If and you, it, can, you are correct. Um, and, and look, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who is a very, very good offensive rebounder, very good rebounder, period. He was killing him on the glass. Patrick Beverly, who is an outstanding uh, rebounding guard, particularly offensive <laughs> first rebounding. First team all weirdo. He is a first team all weirdo. But you, one can, of the you remember that, that play where LeBron, he fouled LeBron and they were all tangled up and he just wouldn't let go of LeBron's arm? Yeah. Like um, he held onto his arm for like I mean, 11 seconds. Look, man, that that is Patrick Beverly being. Patrick Beverly. That is what he does. There are times when you want that on your team. There's times where you respect it just because that's what's kept him in the league. There's times when you think he's acting like an asshat. I mean, just all of these things can be true at mm. once. But again, this team has, even without Carl Anthony Towns, a lot of guys who are particularly yeah. good on the offensive glass. And somebody pointed out on, on Twitter to us, and I, I apologize for not giving uh, this user direct credit, but in terms of the whole idea of you know the size that they give up while playing smaller, a lot of these rebound, these offensive rebounds they give up are long ones, you know, off threes or jump shots and stuff like that. And that's not necessarily going to get solved by having Dwight or I guess DeAndre on the floor anyway. Like some of this is again, the Lakers have to learn, you know, to box out better and stuff like that, but also, frankly, how to just anticipate get to spots quicker, get to spots harder. Yeah. I mean, there were times where Minnesota was just flat out out hustling them with it. Yeah. And it's not the first time it's happened this season. Well, it's, it's attentiveness. And, yes. you know, it's a yes. defensive attentiveness from guys like Westbrook and all kinds, you know, down the line includes putting a body on somebody when a shot goes up. And, you know, those kinds of little things, which, you know, you think would be routine for NBA players are not. And, Particularly you know, I mean, a lot of guys who've been stars. Yeah. And so let's talk about Russ. So um, Westbrook, who played a much better game like the entire team, played a much better game against Portland than he did on um, Sunday against Minnesota. It was, you know, this was one of those bad Russ games where, you know, the Lakers had 15 turnovers and Westbrook was responsible for nine of them. Um, Including and a five-second violation with 14 seconds on the I clock. I will give him the That felt like a quick count to me. It felt okay. at least like four. Okay. <laughs> it felt like a four, four. I'm going to call it a four second violation. Okay. But yeah, he had All nine right. turnovers. And, you know, particularly early in the game was just not good. And, and, you know, the, you know, you missed some three pointers and it was, this was not a good Russ game. And, you know, you and I have tried to be as even handed as possible about um, Westbrook's performance and all that stuff. Noting, too, that he really isn't built to be the second superstar on this, or quite frankly, I think any other team at this point in his career. Um, but that he has improved, and it's getting better, and there's, you know, his pattern is to continue to improve over the course of the year. He was not good on Sunday. What I found interesting, really interesting, though, was post-game, and you made a joke about this on, I believe it was it was on uh, last week on Wednesday even, uh, when Westbrook didn't play well. Um, and did the thing where he looks at his phone the mm -hmm. entire time and gives kind of one-word answers. On Sunday, he replaced that with um, snacks. <laughs> and he was a little bit in a better mood because the team won the game. But he knew what questions were coming. 
And so there was a lot of snacking going on um, in his in his answers. That feels, for what it's worth, more polite than the phone. Like I don't even know if it actually is more polite. I'm just telling you. If well, visually, it, it, it felt does more because polite. in my head I'm thinking, you know, here's a world class athlete. Say what you will, he is a world class athlete. Um, Who would say otherwise? He sucks, man. Westbrook, he's not world class. He turned the ball over nine times. Whatever. That that makes him irresponsible. He's a world class athlete. You you asked me who would say that. And you know that if I put, is Russell Westbrook a world class athlete on Twitter, we'd get half, you know, a third of the people going, not in my book, man. He freaking sucks. I'm going to test this theory at Cam Brothers. You guys can look (laughs) for this being out there. I'm actually pretty sure. That if you put that out there, you're going to get about eighty to ninety percent yes. If that, long. oh, I'm sure, but like, but the fact that you get, you know, I'm just saying, there sure. will some of the commentary because people are this. stupid. Um, I just picture a guy. It's like you know what? He just finished a really, you know, he's running up and down the floor. He needs a snack. <laughs> like that makes that makes sense to me. But he was asked, as he always is in these situations, about the turnovers and about some missed shots and empty possessions and things like that. And the, the the question was framed, Andy, in the context of, you know, you were having a tough game out there, Russ. And his answer, I thought, was fascinating. And we'll talk about that and the whole Rondo thing next. Okay, so Andy, here's what Russ said when he was asked. I disagree with the point that the game wasn't going my way. My game is not predicated on shots or if I turn the ball over. If I miss shots, that's part of the game. I'm allowed to miss shots. I can do that. Like any other player, I can do that. I can turn the ball over too. I can do that. That's all part of the game. But when you watch a basketball game and you figure out what the impact is, making the right plays, boxing out, rebounding, whatever that may be, making the right play, making the right reads, that's all about being a basketball player. I mean, sure. (laughs) (laughs) He He pulled a Howard in Uncut Gems. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I mean, yes, he's allowed to miss shots. Um, he is allowed to turn the ball over. And when he does a lot of both of those things, when he does the latter nine times in a game and he's the point guard, we're going we're gonna to ask him about it. And Laker fans, not surprisingly, are sort of apoplectic about this response. Uh, <laughs> and... You know, I, I'm sort of of two minds. I get why. It's like, you know, the right answer to that question is, yeah, you know, I really got to do better. It, I was not good out there and and all that. <laughs> the more fascinating answer is the one he gave. Is this. <laughs> <laughs> My game is not predicated on shots or if I turn the ball over. The hell is it predicated on? <laughs> I disagree. I mean... <laughs> I don't... It's that, that answer has thrust, I suppose. He is very sensitive to this this criticism of you know that he's not performing and not playing well, and it is the wrong answer to give if you're trying to kind of show accountability and all that other stuff. It's also somewhat irrelevant because I'm assuming he's not turning the ball over and things on purpose <laughs> or missing shots on purpose. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, for what it's worth, both Melo and LeBron after the game said that Russ will beat himself up over this stuff like they they said they don't have to get on Russ about the turnovers because he'll be on himself Mm -hmm. and that this stuff eats him up so you know this may be a defense mechanism playing out in real time I agree with you yes it is absolutely a defense mechanism you know 
Laker fans may, you know, ask the natural question, then why the hell doesn't he do something about it? But just the idea that Russ genuinely does not care if he turns the ball over nine times, I feel pretty confident is not an accurate representation yes. of how he feels. Um, that being said, though, it, and this is similar to you know quotes that we've had, you know co uh, comments Russ has made over the last couple of weeks about just like you know he is the best uh, he is the best evaluator of what it means for let Russ be Russ. Mm -hmm. You know the idea of nobody is a better judge of me playing at my best and what I bring to the table than myself. And you know just the, the idea of how he. Not just evaluates himself after a game, but what he decides to do about the stuff that he didn't that he doesn't like. It's a fascinating question that, to be perfectly honest, I don't think we will ever get a very good answer from him because I don't think Russell Westbrook will ever be that candid and vulnerable in this sort of setting. Right. You know, maybe, maybe in a setting, you know, like the Showtime documentary that I think it's Showtime that he help produce about himself right, where he can control some of this, where I think you will get more of an honest uh, view of Westbrook of himself, but where he is allowed to you know, take more control of it. So this is something that I think is going to be both fascinating and very frustrating for, for Laker fans in this process. But just, you know, I guess what really, what really matters is, what Russ does with whatever accountability he feels towards this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think he's doing, like how does that play out in terms of, I think what he's results. doing, but he's trying to, I mean, he's trying to contribute as much as he can while still, I think doing those things that he knows make him who he is. Like it's always that sort of knife's edge with Westbrook. What I, what I think is, is just fascinating about it is that, you know, you go back to the, the, the sort of the front end of the, the quotes we were talking about last week. You mentioned some of them, you know, bear about like, you know, only I know more than anybody what it is to be Russ and what that what that means, you know, getting contradictory stuff from different people and the voices and the coaching staff, whatever it might be in that same quote. He's talking about everybody you know, expects me to go out and get 25, 15 and 15 and all that. Like, that's not the coaching staff, the coaching. Nobody on the coaching staff is telling him, Russ, we need you to go out and get 25, 15 and 15. Otherwise, you're not doing your job. I guarantee I am 100 percent confident in that. That's us that's the fans that's social media and the the surprising thing to me and what we will get to the rondo thing here next is how much he is responding to what is very obviously chatter from external stuff you know randoms you know eggs on twitter people like us whatever it might be because I've always sort of thought of him as somebody who clearly doesn't give a bleep about what you or anyone else thinks about him. And I think he is more sensitive. I think he's a little bit more sensitive to that, to criticism and defensive of his place in the basketball world than I anticipated. Um, I, I, don't, I don't even see it. I don't even, I'm not even criticizing him. No, me. I know you're not. But I, I just, just think it's, it's just, it's an interesting wrinkle in having Russ around. Um, he clearly hears what, it's not you know, LeBron, like that's just like LeBron and Frank Vogel. If it doesn't come from those two, I don't care. I just don't care. Like I'm doing um, the best I can and I don't care. I honestly, I, think it's interesting. I, that's I mean, what I'm getting from it. I don't, 
I think he doesn't really care. I think he thinks the questions are just an exercise in dumbassery. To be totally honest, I I I think but that's a thinks, stupid answer to it. Even if the question is dumb, that's a dumber answer. Not necessarily. Not if he thinks you all don't understand the the game the way I understand it. Then it's maybe it. I suppose it could be depending on who you ask, and some of those people that you ask might actually be professional basketball players, coaches who, in fact, do understand the game as well as Russ. But I think in his mind, a lot of people just don't get it. He just doesn't like say, yeah, I, I didn't play bad. I, I didn't play well. Like, sure. I, I, he doesn't, but he is I very defensive about that. He, no, I, I think he's defensive in part because he hates dealing with media, period. Like, Russ does not like dealing with media un, under most circumstances. Like, I have, I had years ago a very positive experience uh, talking with Russ because for a piece that I wrote about Nick Collison, his mm-hmm. uh, longtime teammate in Oklahoma City, like that was something he really enjoyed doing. But for the most part, Russ hates this crap. And I think he thinks most of it is kind of a stupid waste of time. And I think he's always been pretty antagonistic towards media. I could be reading this wrong. I don't think he gives a crap what any of us think. I don't think he gives a crap what any fans think. I think he thinks a lot of the criticism, frankly, is stupid. That's what I think. I don't think he's. I, I, don't I actually. Think he's, I think both. I think oh, both can be true. But it just. I just. It, he is. A, he is. A, and I like. I, I. I have an enormous amount of respect for him. Sure. But um, it's just. It's just. You know, the, the 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 process of this season, which has been very difficult for him, um, has also kind of played out in what he's. I think reacting to in 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 a lot of different ways. Um, let's do Ronda real quick, and we'll get to Avery Bradley this week because the the, sure. the Lakers have to decide by Friday. I believe it is is the seventh Friday is yes. the seventh. Yep. Um, whether or not gonna, they're going to keep him for the full year, um, guarantee his contract going forward. And so um, I think the answer to that is yes, but the why is probably more interesting. Uh, so we'll probably maybe we'll get to that starting tomorrow. Um, Lakers have agreed to trade Rajon Rondo to Cleveland for Denzel Valentine, who they will waive. The Lakers um, solves the need for Cleveland because they are down to Kevin Pangos as their starting point guard with uh, Garland in the protocol. or Garland's hurt, actually. I think he's is he in the protocols or is hurt. He's not anymore. available. Ricky Rubio tore his ACL, and, and Sexton's already out for the year. So they have nobody, um, and they need somebody who can tie yeah. them over while they probably go find a different point Rondo guard. will learn that offense in five minutes. And he'll be, he'll be an adequate replacement for a couple weeks to give them minutes yeah um he will be helpful for a young team with virtually no collective playoff experience if they end up going to the playoffs because cleveland's having even right they have a chance to be a top four seed in the east yeah they're 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 having having probably most surprising yeah yeah terrific Um, season all and then ultimately all this does really for the lakers is clear a roster space which they'll use then to sign stanley johnson for the rest of the season we strongly suspect it would be shocking if they didn't um so it's it's an interesting move. Saves the Lakers a little bit of money, uh, helps the Cavs, and you know everybody kind of wins here. Um, Rondo's going to get three weeks where he, three or four weeks where he plays, and then we'll probably go back to not playing a ton. And yeah. Uh, yeah. you never know. I I actually think for the Cavaliers, if they end up going to the playoffs, you're going to see more Rajon Rondo because they're going to want somebody out there who knows what he's doing in the playoffs and. You know, off the top of my head, you've got Kevin Love, you've got Rajon Rondo, 
and I don't remember the rest of the roster off the top of my head, but I guarantee it is not steeped in playoff experience. No. So I I imagine no matter who is healthy and who isn't, you're actually going to see a decent yeah. amount of Rondo. And uh, I was going to say, all I was going to say was it also is a nice little thing for the Lakers in the sense that they, they don't cut Rondo. I mean, beyond the money, they don't cut Rondo, which then allows him to theoretically be picked up by anyone. Um, they sent him to a place where he is still playing relevant basketball, where it's sort of not being sent to some sort of Siberia, um, which I think is what, just little stuff that I think players and agents do appreciate. I think everybody benefits from this. I don't think, you know, as much as I think Rondo's voice can still have and that intelligence, we've described him before as a, as a luxury um, in terms of being able to pick your spots with him. This team, with all the veteran sage that it has, should not need him the same way. So I don't think the Lakers are going to be hurting for his absence. So again, I think that, like you had said, this was good on both sides. Um, so a lot to cover over the course of the week. Lakers trying to keep momentum going. Only two games this week. They actually are going to practice on Monday, which is a rarity. Um, so they're at home. They get a, probably get a couple practices in this week only playing two games against teams that aren't very good. So um, a definite opportunity for the Lakers to continue building at least a little bit of momentum in the standings, if not momentum in how they're playing. A reminder to uh, please subscribe to Locked on Lakers on YouTube. Um, breaking news, this podcast tends to be a little bit early, particularly on non-game nights. Get to get you know tomorrow's podcast today uh, and all that good stuff. And we will see everybody on Tuesday.